0: Good morning, my name is Kathy Connor, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Pres. This morning is such a big celebration because we are so excited to be able to be in this sanctuary together for the first time since March, yet we're missing those of you who are online with us right now. We care about you so much, and we know that it would be perhaps too vulnerable for you to be with us. We want you to know that you are indeed missed, but worship is God's party. This is God's party, and that means that all of us are invited to come just as we are. And it's okay to not be okay, but our hope is that you will go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Our hope is that you will discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you are new to First Pres, we want to welcome you. And we invite you to go to our website after worship, fill out a Connect card so that we might encourage you, pray for you, and help you get connected in. We're also inviting all of you to share the service on Facebook so that others can join us in worship this morning as well. Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father... Thank you for bringing us through this challenging and unprecedented time all the way to this moment where we might be face-to-face with each other, with you. Oh, Lord, encourage and bolster the hearts of those who can't be with us, who are vulnerable, yet so treasured by you and treasured, Lord, by us all. In this hour, Lord, would you fix our minds on you, our lives on you, so that you might fix our lives, so that you might fill our hearts, so that you might even open our minds to your thoughts and to begin thinking in whole new ways about our lives and what we were made for. Lord, we ask that you would keep educators, coaches, parents, and all those who are loving and caring for children, strong, tenacious, and brave, Father, as they navigate these very complex, ever-changing times. Lord, we also ask that you would take care of business owners and leaders, and all those who are looking for a job. I'm asking, Lord, that you would restore what has been taken from them. Lord, we know that there are people in our lives that we love and care for deeply who are far from you, who don't yet know you, where we live, where we work, where we play. We ask, oh God, that you would use us to be a source of your goodness in their life. Lord, that you would use us so that we might love them well and they might get a glimpse of who you are. This morning, we also lift up those we know and love who are struggling with illness or grief. We pray for Angie Ammon, who will be undergoing surgery this week. We also continue to pray for Jackie Faircloth, Lord, and we pray that you would just speak into her soul that you love her and that you are at work in her life. Lord, please encourage Jackie. Thank you, Lord that joy still comes in the morning, that your mercies are new every day. Lord, that you walk with the hurting and that you want to speak into our hearts and lives in this hour. So help us, Lord, to step towards you in faith, in trust, that we will leave here different because we have indeed heard from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Born at First prayers, we invite you to stand up, sing with us, alive and breathing. We have masks on, but we can still sing through these masks loudly, so I encourage you to do that with us. Let's sing this to the Lord. What holds your heart, what stirs your soul, what matters come to mind. Still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Don't stop dancing and dreaming. Still good news worth repeating. So lift your head and keep singing. Still walks with the hurting you're still alive and praying. Praise the Lord! Don't stop dancing and dreaming, still, the news worth repeating. So lift your head and keep singing. Praise the Lord! Let everything, let everything, let everything pray. If you're still alive
0: privilege of sharing a few things with you this morning one is super exciting it's a congregational meeting it's going to take place next tuesday september 15th at 707 707- P.M. on Zoom. So you're going to receive a text message with the link to the Zoom meeting. It will also be on the website. This very brief congregational meeting is designed to do two things. There are two orders of business. The first one is to elect an elder nominating committee, this is a group of people who will be nominating the next class of elders in our church. The second order of business is to approve Fitz's salary. So please come. We'd really appreciate that. This bag represents every child in Hillsborough County who at the end of the school day on a Friday afternoon goes home to 68 hours of hunger during the weekend. End 68 is our church's opportunity to bridge the gap and send a bag of groceries home with these children so that they might not go hungry. We are serving 330 children and it's simple to do it. All you need to do is grab one of these grocery bags after worship out in the narthex and outside. It will have a list of things to collect fill the bag with it, and either bring it back next Sunday, bring it during the week to the office, or I'll just come to your house and pick it up if that's what would be most convenient for you. But let's show every child that they are treasured and valued with this gift. I also get to invite you to be a part of the dream team. We're calling it Sit One, Serve One. It means that just once a month, Just once a month, we're asking you to consider serving during one service and then sitting in the other service. It takes 80 people to cover the month, 20 volunteers each week to make Sunday morning happen. Right now, we have 58 men and women signed up and we're so grateful. We just need 22 more people. So if you'll go on the website and check it out and perhaps sign up today, That would be just huge for all of us. Life groups, they are small groups with big, huge impact. You and I can't possibly know everybody, but everybody needs to be known. God created us to depend on each other, to encourage and carry each other's burdens. And in this season, so many have been dealing with burdens that have been extraordinary. And fear, anxiety, and all the change can often cause us to push away from people, which is why we need the connection and the community that a life group can provide. So we want to invite you to go to our website after worship and take a look at some of the groups there couples' groups, men's groups, women's groups. All I know is that in my own life, being in a life group has been transformational. So I want to encourage you to be a part of one also. I'm also happy to help you find your way if it doesn't make sense to you. You need to know that it honors God when we give back to him in profound ways by loving his people well. And you, my friends, have been loving the most vulnerable people in our city with your resources, with your actions, and with your words. One gentleman that we met through our ministry called Matthew 25, which is our ministry to those who are hungry and homeless, now has a great job and a big group of us from this church helped him move into a garage apartment owned by a member of this church. You provided the furnishings, the household goods, the linens, and more. And best of all was when we circled up in a prayer with him, a prayer of thanksgiving. He is so full of joy and gratitude. Look what God does with your faithfulness, in generosity, and here are five ways that you can continue to bless people's lives. God bless you.
2: Now, church, as we stand and continue to worship, we're introducing you a new song. This song was written by a worship team from a well-known church called Life Church. You may have heard of it, it's very, very well known. And as this worship team was in prayer, seeking God what they were to write, they felt compelled that God was going to do something big. He was going to do something big in their lives, but also in the lives of the church. They wrote this song in October of 2019. So little did they know what 2020 had around the corner, that it would be filled with hurt and fear and the church doors would even close. But the reality is church, that despite of the headlines and despite of our circumstances, God is near. He is still working. He's working in our lives and he is working in the church even though we may not see it. And that's exactly what this song is about. It's also about a cry of of surrender for God. Come and do what you want. Do what you want in our lives. Do what you want in my lives. Restore what was taken away. What is old, make it new. So I join you and encourage you to worship together as we learn this new song.
3: You open
2: my eyes to the
3: unseen Once I was blind But now I believe It tore down the walls That kept us apart We seemed like the end Was only the star Cause Heaven's all around Heaven's all around And Jesus is near I can see it now, I can see it you now, your kingdom is here. Heavens all around, heavens all around, Jesus is near. I can see it now, I can see it you now, your kingdom is
2: guys can take a seat
4: heaven's all around heaven's all around jesus is near it doesn't matter whether i'm in tune or not i'm singing it so i play with emotion that's just how i am and that music all of them really got me and so thank you and i enjoyed singing very much all three of those songs and um so there that's all I wanted to say about that. Was I in tune? Was I on key, Adam? Was I on key, Adam? Was I on key? Yeah, almost. So, new stuff, race bib, on your mark. We're starting a bunch of new stuff today. Here we are, in the room together. Well, you're with us online, but we also now have begun again, as Kathy said, it's been six months. It was March 15th was the first Sunday we went online only. Six months. And so we're starting new stuff today. You may have noticed we started some new stuff in Tallahassee, but it really wasn't all that new, was it? Um, so sports have begun but in an odd way, and people have gone back to school recently. It's just a season of new things, and we knew we were going to come back into the building this morning, and so we decided—I can't leave that on the ground. That's like a sacrilege. We decided that we would have a new message series, and it's called On Your Mark because we're going to look at the gospel of Mark. And Notice the image of the athlete launched into a sprint, and that's not an accident It's going to need to be on your mark, get set, and be ready to go because Mark, the Gospel of Mark, really goes fast. It's bang, 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 little snapshots in the life of Jesus because Mark, like all of the Bible, is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. And Mark is going to do it in his own way, which is kind of quickly. And so we're going to do Mark together nine weeks beginning today, and that's what we're going to do, and you're going to like it, and we're going to make it accessible for you. We're going to help you understand some pieces of Mark as we go all the way through it, and so, yes, we're excited about it. When I say we, it's because there's a team of people that did this, and I just want you to realize a team of people built all of this up, and Kathy and I represent mostly standing up front, but a team has been thinking this through, and this bib is one of my marathon bibs, and what happens is you pin the bib on your shirt or on your shorts, and you're standing at the starting line. On your mark, get set, the gun goes off, and bam, there we begin. Fitz this was the Columbus, Ohio marathon, and uh, had a great day that day, by the way. Really, 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 really great day. Can I brag? You mind if I brag? Is it okay? Yeah, I ran a 304, that's a 703 pace. There's a man in the room who's a world record holder in the mile, so he ain't, imp- he ain't impressed, but you are. at 703 per mile. You're very impressed, aren't you? Huh? Yes, you are. Now, the person that did that is dead and gone because I can't can't run one mile because i got a little bit of a problem with here. But anyhow, I'm sorry. That was a digression that wasn't planned. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to talk about the Gospel of Mark. And we have some cool stuff for you. Let's begin with this one, a key verse. Yes, we have a key verse. It's this, Mark chapter 10 Verse 45, and this is Jesus talking about himself. And he says this about himself. For even the Son of Man, and in the Bible, in the stories about Jesus, one of the titles or ways of understanding Jesus is Son of Man. So he's saying, even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, and I'm pointing at the cross, As a ransom for many. That's the key verse. And we're going to learn how to make this verse make sense for us in our life. And by the time we're finished, you might even have it memorized. But we're not going to work on memorizing it per per se. But you may know it by memory by the time we finish. And we got some key themes for you. Key themes. Mighty Messiah. We're going to talk about Jesus being the mighty Messiah. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And we just sang about it. Heaven's all around Jesus is near. That's what we mean, that the kingdom is present now. And we're going to talk about that throughout Mark's gospel. And the last thing we're going to talk about is being daring as we follow Jesus. We're calling it, it's a fancy word, it may be a scary word to you, discipleship. Don't let it scare you. It just means you're a follower of Jesus, following Jesus, but it takes courage. It takes daring. And and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to see Mark helping us understand how to live this way. But watch this. Let's throw the key verse back up on the board. So I want to connect that key verse to these themes that we're going to talk about for today and eight more weeks. Notice in this verse, we're talking about a mighty Messiah, this big title full of meaning, Son of Man. And then he says, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life. This is a mighty act of God this Messiah doing this. Why? To release us as a ransom, to get us free, to, to make us over again into brand new people. This is mighty stuff. And then in there, in Jesus, he's saying that in my person, because I'm here, one of the ways that I'm mighty is I am the presence of the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God is not just what I say, it's who I am. That's that's how we connect to it. But finally, daring discipleship, when you and I catch on to what it means to be rescued by the mighty Messiah, when we live in, when we enter into God's kingdom, God's realm, God's presence, the next thing you know, our lives change. And we never look back because we like it this way. So there you have it. Those are some sort of key things that are gonna be happening, and you're gonna you're gonna hear them enough, and you're gonna hear them in a way that's helpful, and the next thing you're gonna know. You're going to know this stuff, and it's going to make a difference in how we think and how we live. And so i pause to ask you this question. Did you come into the room this morning needing a little something? And my guess is that the answer is yes. Are you watching and you're feeling that you need a little something? And well, my answer is yes. And we think about our lives, and we think about where we live, and we think about where we work, and we think about our social life and how we enjoy ourselves, where we play, and we think about school. And in all those realms, I find that people, including me, I find that we are missing some stuff. We need stuff. We want to be different. We want to change. We want help. Some of us have, near us even in our own lives, some real brokenness, some real lostness, some real need. And so the mighty Messiah who brings about God's presence, which we're calling the kingdom of God, this mighty Messiah is inviting us to follow him. That's what we mean about daring discipleship. And here's a little way that you can remember what I'm trying to say here. Fixing, F-I-X-I-N-G, fixing your life on Jesus fixes your life. Catch the echo there. Using the word fix two slightly different ways. Fixing your life on Jesus fixes your life. So what do I mean in the first use of it? It means focusing on Jesus, staying close to him, staying under his immediate influence, attaching yourself to him, abiding in him, zip-tying yourself to him, gorilla-gooing yourself to him. Whatever you got to do to stay close. Just stay close. And the next thing you know... Your life is fixed. but see, it takes a daring person to fix yourself to Him. But He's the mighty Messiah. And in His presence, we're in the presence of God. And the kingdom is near. Heaven's all around. Jesus is near. And the next thing you know, we're different. Fixing our lives on Jesus fixes our lives. Now, let me just say one thing about Jesus being near. Some of us may think too physically about Jesus. So don't think that Jesus is on some physical continuum and you're here and he's way, way there somewhere. That's not it at all. So if you read the New Testament carefully, God is present here and now. Look at it carefully. And it doesn't say that Jesus is some physical, geographical far place. He's right here. Sometimes people use the word supernatural. And that's a, that's a fine word, but what I'm saying is this picture that we get in Mark doesn't use that word, but it's saying what that means, which is somehow our reality is bigger than just what we can see and measure and taste and touch and smell. Jesus is near. The kingdom is near. And then we are being invited to follow him, and that requires a certain amount of boldness, a little bravery, daring. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So we're going to do this. I'm going to read through about six or seven verses, and then we're going to kick around a couple of things about six or seven verses. And that's coming in a minute, but first got one verse I want to say a couple of things about. And it's chapter 1, verse 1 of Mark. Okay, so up on the wall you see it. In the beginning... I mean, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. All the things about kingdom of God, about daring discipleship and Messiah are here. Let me just do, I got to take some Greek on you. You ready for some Greek? You know that the New Testament was written in the Greek language. The very first word in the Gospel of Mark, not in English, the very first word in the Gospel of Mark is the word arche. And it means beginning. Whatever. Here's what's so powerfully important about it. Hyperlink. Go to the very first page of the Bible. The very first page. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The very first word. You know what it is? R-K. The same word. Do you think that's an accident? No way. Jesus is being linked to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first words of the Bible that say, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth. What Mark is saying to us as he races through telling us about the life of Jesus is that we're hyperlinking Jesus to creation itself. What Mark is saying is the momentous reality of creation is getting trumped by Jesus entering our world. Jesus is more momentous, equally as momentous, to creation itself. All of Mark's hearers in that first century understood that because they were familiar with the language. We're not. But believe me, allow yourself to connect the two. There's another really cool thing about the Bible. There's another gospel. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John was written 30 or 40 years years after Mark. Guess what the first word in John's gospel is? You guessed it, R K. Guess what John is doing? He's hyperlinking Jesus to Mark and to Genesis chapter 1. This is not accidental, my friends. This is intentional, and there's a powerful reality, a truth about God going on here. And What that is is that Jesus is the same Jesus that was there at the beginning, Genesis 1, is Jesus now. God is up to something. It's a brand new creation. Jesus is the new creation. And I mentioned earlier, did you come in here with some need? Well, of course you did. Does our world have needs? Oh, does our city, our country have needs? Oh, man. And a new creation is happening. And Jesus is it. He is the new creation. He's the launch of God's new thing. There's a second really cool Greek word. These are two Greek words, and I'm going to sneak kind of a halfway, a third one in a minute. But the second one is um, good news. So good news is English. Euangelion is the Greek word. So it's really good news, this beginning thing is. And let me just tell you about euangelion. Euangelion, we translate in English as good news. and it, It's not a religious word. Here's how that word got used, euangelion, in the, in the world of Jesus in the first century. By Romans, it would have been used to announce that it was the birthday of Caesar Augustus or it was the birth of Caesar Augustus' child. In other words, people would be sent around to message the city of Rome, euangelion, it's the emperor's birthday. And they'd be sent to announce, messengers would be sent out. But there's another way the Greeks would use it. The Greeks would use that same word to report around to their empire that a victory had been won in a battle. So the good news is we won, and the good newsers were the messengers who were sent out. And so what Mark is doing is Mark is taking that word about announcing to the world some really good news, and he's saying, oh, we have good news like no good news ever before. We have the kingdom of God present. Jesus is present. The beginning hyperlinked to everything people had ever believed about who the good God was. That's what's going on here. That's a lot of moving parts. And guess what? Fixing our lives to Jesus Fixes our lives. Friends, if, if there's any euangelion you needed to hear, I needed to hear, there it is. Here we are hearing really, really good news. That the creator of the universe has reentered, making all things over again new. Your individual life, your family's life, your business, our city, our country, our world. That's what God is up to. So let's take a quick look at a few verses. Again, this is Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 14 through 20. I'm going to read through them, and then i got a couple of other things I want to tell you about some really good stuff in there. It goes like this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the evangelion, the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Watch what comes next. This is daring discipleship for you and for me. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you into people who catch people. We'll come back to that. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. A couple more ideas here. When he had gone, Jesus had a little farther He saw James, son of Zebedee, and James' brother, John, in a boat preparing their nets. Obviously, they're fishermen also. Without delay, he called them. Watch what happens. They left their father, Zebedee, in the boat. They bailed on Pops. They left him in the boat with hired hands, and they followed Jesus. Now, just just a quick, funny kind of thing about this. Trust me, in the movement of Jesus, we're not asking people to bail on their mommy and daddy. That's not what we're trying to do here. But it was so compelling, and we know about their lives, that they returned to their craft, but they became messengers where they worked and lived. They became messengers of the good news, daring messengers, because almost all of them died a martyr's death because they wouldn't quit saying, good news, Jesus. So let's go back up to verse 14 and 15. Jesus is out walking around. Just to remind you, this is not meant to be like a a biography. So we got little snippets. There's a lot going on. And so this is not like 15 minutes of the life of Jesus. This is a whole lot of life of Jesus. But Mark is writing in kind of a quick way, running through, literally. And so we're just getting little pieces here and there. It's loaded with great stuff. Jesus, uh, uh, he's telling everybody about the good news And here is a little bit of the content of what he says, verse 15. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So a couple of things I need to say about that. The time has come. I told you there was not going to be any more Greek, a little more Greek. Two kind of words in Greek for time. One is chronos which you, you are accustomed to the word chronology. That means just one minute after the next, after the next. There's another Greek word, kairos. It means a time full of meaning and purpose. A right now, something big's about to happen. Today, right now, what time is it? It's a little bit after 11. And today at 4.05, the bucks kick off. It's just time after time after time. Here, that's chronos time. Here is kairos time. Starting line. Kairos time is if you loathe public speaking and you go to the microphone and you have to start. You hate that, don't you? But, man, do you feel nervous. So Kairos time is time filled with meaning and purpose, time that's almost pregnant. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is not just your ordinary Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. He's saying, this is full time, and I am why it's full. Look at what he says about himself. The kingdom has come near. In other words, heaven's all around. Jesus is near him. What he's saying is bold and innovative. He's saying, it's not only or simply what I say. It's me. The kingdom is present because I'm present. And when we fix our lives on Jesus, he fixes our lives. Lives get fixed in kingdom presence. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's not. He's boldly announcing himself as the presence of the kingdom, and he's doing something really innovative. He's saying, here's what you do. Notice he said, follow me. He's saying, just enter. He's inviting you and me to enter. Now, notice what that isn't. It's not a human construction. It's not a bunch of things that we make that make us followers of Jesus. Well, he says, just enter. Come join me. Follow me. Attach yourself to me. And There's another thing. It really is clear it's not. It's not our institutions. It's not our denominations. It's not our churches. Now, that, uh, churches are great. Churches are necessary, but G- the church is not the kingdom. Jesus is the kingdom, and we want the church to be about the kingdom. And that's the only thing that matters. So we can't, we can't let our stuff be what tells us what to do. We let Jesus be what we do. And that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, it's about me, and there's this new realm he's saying. And yes, there's some elements of it that don't add all completely up in the sense. It's like mysterious. How can you be the kingdom? And and yet he is, because the kingdom of God is about Jesus being present and making all things right again. And I think primarily that what he wants us to do is get relationships right relationship between me and God, relationship between me and you, relationship with us, with each other, relationships of how we do what we do in the community. That's how we live our lives, how we love people well, people who are far from God who we love, and people who we love who just have need and everything in between. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the realm. And he's close. And you know he's close because he's made a difference in your life. And so that's, that's what we've been commissioned to do. And Jesus is saying here, in my arrival, the kingdom is present. Another way of saying that is, in Jesus of Nazareth, the kingdom of God has made a personal appearance. I think that's kind of cool. So, that's verses 14 and 15. The last thing I wanted to say to you about it is this thing about repenting. See, it says repent and believe. Most people who come to churches get real nervous when we start talking about repenting, because what you think I'm gonna do is whip out a list of stuff you're doing wrong and tell you you're wrong. And see, that's that's not what it's about. What repent means really is pivot. It means I was headed this way, but now I'm gonna daringly start following Jesus. Now you may have been headed this way and, and nobody can tell that there's anything wrong, And there may not be anything wrong. The only thing wrong is that you're not following Jesus. Here's who we follow when we don't follow Jesus. We follow self. I'm not judging anybody. It's just the human default is to say, wait a minute, no to God. I can figure out good and bad on my own. I can figure out what I need on my own. I can do this on my own. And so that's the default thing that each of us each day needs to pivot from. We say Okay, you're right. I was depending on me deciding what I was going to do for me. And what you're asking me to do is just pivot. And then start following Jesus. It's daring. It's bold. It's courageous. But that's what that word means. So let go of the religious baggage you have with it. And there's no judgment here. Do you notice what Jesus does? He goes and talks to fishermen. You ever been out on a boat with a fisherman? And they're not checking all the boxes, but he saw something in them. And he said, just follow me. And they were so drawn to him that they did. It says they dropped their nets. And notice the the understanding of what a disciple is, the definition, if I could say it this way, of a disciple, it's included in the invitation to be one. Verse 17, come, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you into people who fish for people. Your job is to choose to follow him. It's God's job to turn you into someone who catches people. When we fix ourselves on Jesus, surround ourselves with him, loyal to him, connect to him, stay close to him, live under his influence, abide in him, he fixes our lives and that means he transforms our lives. He heals our lives. He restores us. He repurposes us. Did you see the repurpose in here? Bold and daring Jesus followers. We become people who catch people. Is that awesome? You're being made into a person who can love other people well. And there's somebody in your life right now who needs to be loved well. I don't know who it is, but I know they're there. And you're being called to be made into a person who loves them well. You're not doing the heavy lifting. Jesus does it. You just stay close. I promise you, he will make you into somebody who is able to love other people well. You may be wondering why the chest of drawers is here. So I'm going to step down to it. The chest of drawers is here because it's a way of illustrating how it is that we don't quite get this business about Jesus fixing everything on Jesus, and he fixes our lives. Well, here's how many people do it. People who say, yeah, I believe in God, and I, yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus, and this is what we do. We put, put a drawer out. Bam. Put him in here. You got me? You, everybody got Jesus in here with me? Y'all got him? Here he is. Got another drawer, though. What are we going to put in that one? That's a big drawer. I can get My life, and I mean where I live with my family and my house and all that kind of stuff, I can get that in there. But you know what else? I got room over here. I can get my job in that drawer. So the drawer could have a divider. This one doesn't. But I can get family and work over here. I got another drawer. It's really big as two drawers. There's room in there for two things. So I'm going to put over here my social life and my friends, golf, stuff like that. That goes here. And if I'm in school, I can put school over here. So I I got live, I got work, I got play, I got study, I got social life, and then I got a Jesus drawer. See, that doesn't work. He's saying, no, no, no. No, no. Zero zilch, not a nothing. No. He's saying, I'm all of them. So when we fix our work on Jesus he fixes our work. When we fix our family on Jesus, he fixes our family. When we fix our social life and our fun and our golf and whatever, on he fix. In other words, Jesus is all of it all at once. He's not in one drawer. He won't have it. It doesn't work. And he simply won't have it anyway. So, that's, that's meant to be helpful. You may not even know what to do. If you feel like maybe, well, yeah, I sort of got him in a drawer and I do that part of my life on Monday. I mean, on Sunday. But the rest of the week, That's not what he's saying. He penetrates everything because, remember, heaven's all around. Jesus is near. All of life, when fixed on Jesus, gets fixed. So I hope that's helpful. Hope that makes sense for you. Hope you can see that you're not alone. Fixing ourselves on him. The truth is the kingdom is present. He is a mighty Messiah. And it takes daring on your part to go and allow yourself to be influenced by Jesus, to stay close to him. And that's that's really it. Just follow him. Because see, these fishermen, they stopped fishing long enough to have their lives be transformed. He's the one that did it. And guess what happened to them? They became really good, continuing as fishermen, because they had to pay the bills. But guess what they got really, really good at? Catching people. Those 12... And it went to 11 because we lost one. Then we added another one back in. Guess what now? The movement has crossed the planet. They just did their part. I mean, this was 2,000 years ago, but 12 becomes 160, becomes 3,000, becomes whatever. And the numbers get really big, really fast across the planet. Because God repurposes people who are willing to start following Jesus. And turns us into people who love people well. So that's what we're in here for. We're in here to dash through the Gospel of Mark together, and we're in here to learn how it is the truth that the kingdom is present, that there's a mighty Messiah who's running everything that God has launched in and through Jesus, and that you and I are invited to enter into this presence with him. And the next thing you know, he makes us into new people. And no one I've ever talked to who said, oh, I wish I wasn't different. No one's ever said that to me. Everybody who gives it a shot, reports back that they're glad that they trusted Jesus. Two things I want you to do. How can we do this? How can we fix our lives on Jesus and then watch him do his magic and fix us? Two ways. One of them is coming up on the slide now, and that is we're challenging the whole family for the next nine weeks to read the Gospel of Mark. So for this week, I want you to read Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through Mark chapter 3, verse 12. Everybody, you at home, everybody in this room, everybody, we're going to read that. And you're saying to me, no way, Jack, I ain't reading it too much. I don't read the Bible. Well, you're going to start. And here's what I want you to know. Just because I knew I was going to stand here in front of you and tell you I want you to read Mark 1, 1 through three twelve a whole week, and I knew somebody's going to say, oh, it's too much, I can't read it. Here's what I did. I took this fine iPhone and I turned on the stopwatch function and I got Gospel of Mark out. This was Friday afternoon I did Just so I could say this and not be lying to you. And I read it, sort of a little bit, almost whispered out loud because it, it's slower to read out loud. Guess how long it took me? Three stinking minutes. If Don't come in here and tell me you ain't got three minutes. You got three minutes. That's chapter one. Chapter 2, I didn't read it that way. I've read it, but I didn't read it that way. I don't know how long it'd take me, and I'm only asking you to go through verse 12 of chapter 3. If you're telling me you ain't got, what? I'm just going to do some quick math. Eight minutes in a week? So I'm playing. Here's what happens. What, Friday when I read Mark like, like that, pre- preparing to say what I've just said to you, when I got finished with it, I felt like I just ran a 400 man, he's racing through stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening in that thing. You're going to feel like that image, like you're sprinting, and you're going to like it, and you're going to bump into stuff that doesn't make any sense, and you're going to find stuff that's interesting. You're going to have questions. Cool. Here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to read it, but I'm, I'm, I'm adding something onto it. I'm asking you to read it with a pal, like a pen pal or a friend. I want you to read it with someone else, and I want you to kind of keep each other on pace. Here's an example My good friend, Baxter Smith IV, who's not with us because he had COVID and he's still kind of recovering. Baxter Smith IV, every day with his grandson, Baxter Smith VI. Baxter VI lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, has a a job with Bank of America. They read a devotional together every day and then text each other. Every day. That's it. It's not hard. So you can do this with your pal. You can call them on the phone. Except I don't. Many of you don't call people on the phone. You just text message. So you can do that. You can text message them, and you use your phone and go. I just read it. How about that? If there's something of interest to you, you can tell the other person. If there's a question, if there's something intrigued you, whatever. Just call. you can do it when you're walking. You can do it when you're sitting by the pool. You can do it uh, when you're playing golf, even. I don't know if I can do it when I'm playing golf. Maybe I could. But so you can do this and just have a pal and you have an agreement. It could be your spouse. It could be a kid. It could be a good friend. It could be somebody. If you're in a life group, it could be another person in the group. And you just agree to sort of keep each other going on it. So I want you to do that. And if you fall down, if you forget to do it, don't worry about it. Just pick it back up again. It's not very much reading and you have a whole week to do it. It wouldn't bother me if you read read the whole thing seven times. That'd be awesome. Take notes, call me with questions. Second thing I want you to do, life groups. We had an image up earlier, small groups, big impact. What this means is this, friends, we're launching today to invite you to get into one and you can go to the website. Kathy's already mentioned that. You can go to the website and you can find what life groups that you and look at the times and the places and the kind of group. But here's why they're important. Kathy said it, you can't know everybody. But listen carefully to this. Everyone needs to be known. And if you want to know how daring discipleship happens, if you want to know how to stay in the, under the influence of Jesus, if you want to know how to stay connected to him, how to be influenced by him, how to be near him, you do it with other people. You were not made to do this alone. And you think it may drain you, it's going to be the opposite. So if you have been in a group and you let it lapse, re-up. If you've never been in one, it's, don't be scared. It's just regular people talking about real stuff and trying to figure out how to connect their lives, get out of the Chester drawers idea, and get, how, figure out how to let your, your relationship with Jesus think through everything you do in your life. That's what it's about. Just a word personally about these groups. We call them life groups. That's just a name that we use. It makes good sense. We're doing life together. Again, you can't know everybody, but every one of us needs to be known. I have been in a life group by a variety of names since I was 17 years old, without exception. So, What happened when I was 17, I was a senior in high school, and the people that were loving me like Jesus and inviting me to enter into a follow-Jesus relationship with Jesus, one of the things we did every week is a group of teenage boys— We met with the leader and talked about our lives and about our faith. And later on that summer, right after I graduated from high school, I made a a kind of formal connection to Jesus. I said, okay, I'm all in. And I invited Jesus to be the person I followed. I I responded to the invitation to follow him. And I had started by really fully understand. So that's what happened to me ever since. And the only exception is when Kathy and I went out to California to go to seminary, and we just simply left where we were. And when we got there, and within a few weeks, we'd found another group of people, and we started meeting with a group of people out there. And then when we moved back, we did it again my entire life. In other words, it's not a box you check off. It's just a part of the ongoing way that God makes you into the person God wants you to be. So I'm going to pray now. You're going to read. You're going to get in a life group. I'm going to pray And we're going to run out of here celebrating. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we thank you that you broke into our lives through the person of Jesus and that we can see the connection of Jesus all the way to your word to us from the very beginning. And that you are the beginning and you're making a new beginning. You do it in us individually. You do it in the world. And you're doing it right now in the life of this church. And you're doing it in our lives. And you're doing it in our groups. And you're doing it in our Bible reading. So we thank you, gracious God that this is how we get to go about things. Help us, gracious God, to surrender to you, to be your people. Help us to be daring, because you are in fact the mighty God, the mighty Messiah, and you're present. Your kingdom is right here, and we want to be the people that simply respond to your invitation, and we start following you. You'll do the heavy lifting. You'll make us into people whose lives begin to make more sense and whose relationships improve and who we find purpose by loving people who need love and care for people who need care. All of this we do in the name of the mighty Messiah, the person Jesus, in whom the kingdom of God has made a personal appearance. Amen.
1: Comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the herd. You're still alive and breathing Praise the Lord Don't stop dancing and dreaming Still good news worth repeating So lift your head and keep singing Praise the Lord Joy still comes in the morning Hope still walks with the hurting You're still alive